0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Mani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. When I stand before God that my only hope will be Jesus, I believe that. Well, if that's you, then you're a child of God. You know, And I pray that you would know that. I pray you would have that assurance. And you keep coming to church, and you keep studying your Bible, and you keep growing, and you're going to watch your life will be transformed over the, you know, the trials of life, over the times when you fail, and that dross rises to the surface, and you skim it off, and God's just starts sanctifying you, and He's changing you. It's cool, but you're never going to reach that place of perfection and sinlessness until we're home in heaven. And so, you know, I'm not saying to take it lightly, but don't let the enemy condemn you. Don't be discouraged. Just keep believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you this a million times, the only way you can lose is if you give up. So don't ever give up. Don't ever stop believing in Jesus. Don't ever stop reading your Bible, praying, seeking Him, going to church, staying in fellowship. You know, because the devil will come in and he'll say, Oh, you blew it. Why are you going to church? That's the devil. But God will say, Mijo, you blew it. Come to me. Come. This is where you belong. This is a hospital for sinners. So Hezekiah, we learn from his victories, we learn from his tragedies, and hopefully we learn, you know, from his life. And so I wanted to do like chapter 32 and 33, but I just couldn't do it. So. Anyways, look at verse 24. It says, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spoke to him and gave him a sign. So we got one verse here, and if you read Isaiah, you got a whole chapter. If you read 2 Kings chapter 20, you got like 11, you know, verses on what happened here. And so if you would, let's go to 2 Kings 20. We've got a lot more details here. And it says in verse 1, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, he went to him and he said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. So what would you do if Isaiah... I mean, we're not talking about like a doctor. We're talking about, I mean, this is Isaiah the prophet. He says, you're going to die. You're not going to live. So set your house in order. What would you do? Well, Hezekiah, it says right here in verse 2, he turned his face toward the wall and he prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle of the court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days fifteen years." I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And then Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. And so they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. It's a cool lesson here, I think, you know, because one day, you know, I don't know for sure what's going to happen. How many of you here want to get raptured? Like, I would rather get raptured, you know? And I think that we will, but you never know. Um, We might be facing death one day. Or you might be at least, you know, think you're facing death one day. The doctor tells you. The prophet tells you. Your friend tells you. You're going to die. Whatever the case may be, you know. Here's Hezekiah. He was sick. He was near death. Isaiah, the prophet of all people, comes in and speaks to him. And he says, get your house in order. Make sure you got your life insurance papers ready. And, you know, clean up the clutter because you're going to die You're not going to live. And he just turns and walks away, you know, and it's kind of cold, kind of callous. And so here Hezekiah, he's only 39 years old. Anyone here 39 years old? That's young, huh? Don't you guys think that's young? Some of you young people, you think that's old. That's not old. That's young. 39 years old is young. and, uh, and, and, And there, if you go back to Chronicles, it tells us, that it was in those days, 2 Chronicles thirty-two twenty-four. in those days, Hezekiah was sick. And in, in what days? What's he talking about? Well, it's the days that we read about earlier in this chapter, the days in which 185,000 Assyrian soldiers surrounded Jerusalem. I mean, that's crazy. Those are crazy days. In one sense, I'm about to die, and the timing is absolutely terrible. I mean, you have 185,000 soldiers surrounding you. Think about that. 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, cavalry. You know, they got their chariots. They're surrounding you on the outside. And then there's Isaiah informing you on the inside. Both of them are basically saying you're going to die. It doesn't look good for anyone. Again, another, another one of those crazy, impossible situations. Or in said it was bad enough that Judah was in danger, but the king was now to die. He said, sometimes it seems that trouble just keeps coming in packs. You're like, okay, this is a bad thing. And then, you know, you think when you can't take enough, then another bad thing comes. And then you're like, got this deal with the Lord. And you say, okay, Lord, I can't take anything else. And then something else comes on. What's going on? Well, the devil is trying to drive you away from Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, he's trying to put fear in you, take you, you know, out of that place where God would move and bless, you know. I mean, this is just really a real tough situation. And at the same time, you guys, I want you to know this, that when you go through those difficult times, whatever it might be, if you believe, then it will be an opportunity for God to flex his muscles. If you believe, if you become a vessel of faith, and I'll tell you this, the world will see what God can do. This is where Hezekiah is right now. He's in a, he's in a heavy situation, surrounded by soldiers. Uh, Isaiah says you're going to die. I mean, it's not just anybody. It's Isaiah. He's right on. And, and what do you do? You know, um, we, we, we read that Isaiah turned his face to the wall. You know, you can kind of picture him there. And he and he just starts crying. He just starts weeping. The Bible says bitterly he cried and he prayed and and he just asked God. He said, "Lord, remember how I I walked before you, Lord, in truth and with a loyal heart. And Lord, how I I've done good. I've done the best that I can." You know, and he just he just kind of he kind of kind of brought it to the Lord. You know, it's kind of like him saying, Lord, I don't want to die. Lord, Isaiah says I'm going to die. Things don't look good. I got this boil. We don't know what it was exactly. I just know that it didn't look good. But he didn't give up. And he prayed. You know, and I I don't know. I'm not definitely haven't figured this out. Uh, I will tell you this. There are some who criticize Hezekiah for praying like this. You know, they wonder why didn't he just accept his fate his date with death and die? You know, why didn't he just die and go to heaven, which is an infinitely better place than any place on earth? You know, and and I don't know. Maybe, Maybe they're right, those who criticize Hezekiah for not just accepting his fate and his date with death. I don't know, but I think this, that when we're in that place, if we're ever in that place, where if someone says, you know, you're going to die, and it might even be Isaiah, that we need to be a lot more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I, I, I think it's okay to want to live. I do. As long as you're not afraid to die. You know what I mean? I think it's okay to want to live as long as you want to live for the Lord. And I, and I think that's where Hezekiah was. I think 999 times out of a thousand, it's okay to pray for healing. You know, I would even say all the way to the very end. There's nothing too hard for God. And I and I and I was telling a, a man today who the doctors say is going to die. I said, I will keep praying for you because I know God's able. And so. You know, if you're right there in the middle of all that, that, that war for righteousness, and you're serving the Lord, which is where Hezekiah was, I'll tell you what. I Just in case someone ever comes and tries to tell you something weird, I want to tell you guys, I think it's okay to pray for healing. You know, Hezekiah was making a difference, and the devil was trying to take him out. You know, maybe we're going to be there one day, and the doctor says, and and even he, he tells you, the prophet, you're going to die. It's okay to pray for healing because we have a God who is able. His name is Jehovah Rapha. He's the God who heals. And I would say that you guys can pray that prayer. You know, of course, we tag all of our prayers with, Lord, your will be done. But I think for the most part, it's okay to pray. And even to pray the way Hezekiah did. You know, one thing the Lord's been showing me lately is to wrestle when you pray. Don't just pray, wrestle when you pray. God says, okay, you want to live? Well, tell me why. I mean, talk to me. You want, you want, you know, you want that person you know, to do that? Why? Lord, I want a son. Hannah's like, I want a son. Lord, and, and i tell you what, God, if you give me a son, then I'll give him back to you, God. You know, and, and there you have the Syrophoenician woman. She goes to Jesus and she says, Lord, will you heal my daughter? And Jesus is like, well, you know, kind of like testing her, like not right now. I'm here called to the Jews. And she says, well, what about me? I'm just, a, I'm, I'm a, Lord, just if I could get a little bit of the crumbs off your table, then that's enough to heal my daughter and to set her free from the demon that she has inside of her. I mean, when you're when you're praying, you got to wrestle in prayer. And I've been I've been noticing that lately. And as I go into my Bible, I'm seeing this over and over again. Whether it was Abraham interceding for his nephew Lot, the Syrophoenician woman, I even think of uh, the, the the Philippians when they were praying for Paul. And you read about it over in Philippians uh, chapter one. Let's turn there real quick. Philippians 1 and verse 19. He's talking to the Philippians and he said, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul was facing death. And and he says, But I know this. You guys are going to pray for me. And I am going to be set free. I know this. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed with all boldness. As always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I am already hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you." and i i i wouldn't be surprised if paul had this conversation with god lord i would rather go home i'd rather be in heaven but maybe there's still work for me to do and so lord you know i don't know which i that's better but apparently this is more necessary at this time and so what ended up happening is they prayed and sure enough you know the lord you know set him free you know i just i just want you guys to know that you know i i i i just want you guys to know that we it's okay to fight for life i think of the word vitality the life so precious the sanctity of life don't ever give up you know the lord will show you and there are times there on the other side i said there's 999 times you you pray Maybe there's one out of a thousand, however, where God will show you something different, you know? Once in a while, when you're there, you know, I think that, um, you know, you fast forward, for example, in the life of Paul, five years from the book of Philippians, and there he is once again in a Roman jail. But this time, he knows that he's finished the race, right? He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's laid up for me this crown in heaven, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Right? So the Lord, sometimes he shows you that you know, your life is about to end. And that's a personal God that we serve. And that's why you got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the brother that I was talking to you about earlier, and we prayed for him. His name is Frank Morales. My wife and I were on the, On our way the other day, we are on Valley Boulevard, and uh, and I got a phone call from him, and he called me, and uh, um, he said, you know, Pastor Manny, I have two weeks to live. The doctors told me that the dialysis that they give to me is doing nothing any longer other than lowering my blood pressure. And I have two weeks to live because I'm no longer going to be... uh, having dialysis, you know, and, uh, and when he told me that, I mean, it just, it it was the Holy Spirit, but it just, like, it just, my whole body, just like this wave, just flooded through my body, we, we call him Papa Frank, and he's taken us to get lobster, he's taken us, he was the first one that took me to, uh, El Tapayac and East LA. And he, man, he's like, check out these taquitos, you know. And if you guys, if you haven't had those, you got to go down. They're so good. And just don't drink the little, you know, what do they call the shot they try to give you? Just don't do that, okay? But, man, I mean, this guy, we've known him for years. Just a beautiful, beautiful man. And when he told me, I couldn't talk. And he's like, Manny, Manny, are you there? And I just couldn't talk. And then, and then uh, I—it was weird, you know. I, I regathered my strength because you know you're supposed to be strong for them. You're supposed to, and you try. So, anyways, what happened was, I, I, I at that moment it was just like cool. It was it was clear as I looked to the left and I saw a road right there, and it said, uh, um, "And you guys would probably know the area right there, uh, Camino Gloria." And I was like, "Doesn't that mean like?" I'm not a Spanish expert, but I think it means like "road to glory" or something like that. And I felt like the Lord, like speaking to me, like this is real, death is real, but I'm I'm all over this. I'm on the throne. I know you love Frank; you're gonna miss him, but he's on the road to glory. And, and then I, I went down a, a couple of signals later. I'm not I'm not exaggerating this. Like the Lord, the Lord shined the light on the next street. It was called the. Uh, Camino Theodora and uh, Toro. And I was like, what is that? And I looked it up online. And from what I understand, it's talking about um, someone who's a gift from God and that, that road to the gift from God. And I felt like God was speaking to me about Papa Frank. And, you know, And I had gone to visit him last week in the hospital, and they said he was going to die then. I thought he got better. But as soon as I went home, I wrote in my prayer journal what I would be praying for him every single day as I'm lifting him up in prayer. And in my journal, it said, Please help Papa Frank, that his health would go in the right direction. Please, Lord. And that they would accept him at the place where he wants to go to live. Because he was living in this place, and they said, You can't live here anymore. And so he said... Pastor Manny, will you pray that they'll let me live there again? And so I forgot the name of the place, and so I started just prayed that prayer, Lord, that they would accept him in the place where he wants to go to live. And then the Lord just, when I got the news that he was going to die, I said, that's heaven, huh, Lord? And he wanted to go back to Hacienda Heights. God has taken him much higher. It's the road to glory. So 999 times out of 1,000, you pray for healing. But I tell you what, when the time comes, he told me today, and as I was talking to him today, he said, uh, he's strong. He's a lot stronger than I am. He said, pray for peace. Pray for strength. So what do we do when we're facing this diagnosis from the doctors or the prophets? That's what we do. I think we pray for life. But then, because I've had this conversation with Frank over the last, I don't know how many years it's been since his wife passed away. Ever since his wife passed away, he's always wanting to go home and be with her. And I always tell him, Papa Frank, you've got to finish your race. And so we have that conversation, finish your race, finish your race. And then one day, you're going to finish your race. You know, for Hezekiah, he was a godly man, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It was a lot different, you know. He knew, yeah, I think he knew it wasn't time. He knew, at least he knew this, that it was okay to pray. And so, you know, we saw that before Isaiah could even leave the courtyard, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, and surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And God gave him 15 more years. And I know some will say, well, that's when Manasseh was born, and this and that. I just think that God is way more sovereign than that. I'm not 100% sure, but I think, you know, God is more sovereign than that. Let me tell you something, the way it works, and I've learned this in life. Okay, you get desires and you pray for them. I don't think you can really, it's hard to, like, pray out of God's will. When you get in trouble is when you step out in the flesh and you begin to manipulate circumstances like when Abraham did with Hagar I mean that's that's the flesh but if you're just praying and you're just praying and you're just praying and you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit God will answer your prayer according to his will you don't have to be afraid to pray and so that's what happened with Hezekiah and God did such a great work we read here in verse 24 he prayed to the Lord and he spoke to him and he And he gave him a sign. And the sundial went back uh, 10 degrees. That's 45 minutes. And it's just so cool, you guys, to know that if God controls the stars of space and the planets all around them, then surely he can heal our broken bodies. Amen? Amen. So, you know, we read about Hezekiah. Next in verse 25, Again, he's not a perfect man. Look, it says that Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him for his heart was lifted up. Therefore, wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. And then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. You know, and there's so many lessons woven into this thing, but I want to begin with number one, vitality, life, sanctity of life. Man, pray for life. The the second thing after vitality is, to me is the importance of humility. Look at the way God's blessed your life. I'll tell you what, the best way to live is to live in gratitude. Gratitude. I mean, the Lord had done so much here, but it says in verse 25 that Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him. And that would include everything up to that point, the revival that had taken place in the land and the way that one angel came and slew 185,000 soldiers of the Assyrians and even how he had delivered him from death. A lot of us here probably can relate to that. I know I talk to people all the time. They tell me they should have died already. A lot of you guys here, you should have died already. Huh? How many of you here, like, should have died already? See, look at that. You should have died. Think about that for a second, please. You're still alive. That's the Lord, man. Because he still has life for you. And it's a life that's supposed to be lived for him, right? And so, um, this right here, this time of him not repaying, this time of pride, is most likely in reference to what we're going to read later in this chapter, how In one sense, what happened was a prosperity led to pride, you know. Um, Usually, we do good in adversity, believe it or not. The times of danger, prosperity. Really, that's the way it really is, right? And what happened was a lack of discernment in his part. We read in verse 25 that his heart was lifted up. And, you know, that's kind of a bummer because he was such a cool king, To me, you know, it goes to show that we're all susceptible, no matter how far along we've come as Christians, no matter how mighty the miracles have been that have taken place in our life, um, we're all susceptible. So we constantly have to humble ourselves, constantly have to humble ourselves, constantly have to listen to the way the Lord is trying to. To humble us, sometimes through our wife. Sometimes you might, you know, get a big pimple on your forehead, you name it. I mean, it could happen in so many ways. It's like God is able to humble us, right? And, and you know, when I look at this right here, a lot of people have said that there's those times of prosperity that were most susceptible. Um, as a matter of fact, many wise men have said that we're more vulnerable after the victory like Elijah, you know, like Peter, after God had just spoken through him. You know, that's when you really got to make sure you have your guard up. Charles Wendell said, most of us can handle a sudden demotion better than a sizable promotion. Why? Because pride comes in. And you guys know, we've learned this as Christians, I think we know this, that pride, that's what messes us up the most. Apparently, Hezekiah's spirit of pride had spread nationwide. We read that there. And so the wrath of God, think about that, was looming over him and the city of Jerusalem and all of Judah. And so thank God for what we read here in verse 26, that he humbled himself for the pride of his heart, he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And it's so important that we do that, you guys, that we humble ourselves. Humble yourself. The Bible says in James 4.10, 1 Peter 5.6, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And then he'll take care of the rest. You got to humble, we got to humble ourselves. We have to do our utmost to weed the pride out of our heart, right, to plant seeds of humility within. William Barclay said, pride is the ground in which all other sins grow and the parent from which all other sins come. Pride is the very heart and spirit of Satan. Himself. Pride promotes problems and perils. But on the flip side, uh, I like what Jonathan Edwards said. He said, Humility sets a person so much out of the devil's reach. And so that's where we want to be. You know, Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter into heaven. And that's what ended up happening with Hezekiah. He experienced prosperity. He, he got really, really rich. Look at verse 27. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. He made himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of desirable items. Storehouses for the harvest of grain, wine, oil, and stalls for all kinds of livestock, and folds for flocks. Moreover, he provided cities for himself and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance. For God had given him very much property. How many of you here, if you won the lottery, you would still stay right on, just out of curiosity? (laughs) Like I would. I would. If you are filthy rich, would you still serve the Lord? I mean, seriously, you know? It's like, I don't need God anymore. A lot of people, that's what ends up happening. Man, they can't handle it. They can't handle it. And the Lord knows that. And the Proverbs talk about that. I'd rather be poor in a in a house where there's a home and peace than filthy rich in this mansion of strife. And a lot of times we think, well, if I get rich, you know, I'll be I'll be, you know, like I'll be fine. And and God, you know, a lot of us we, we can't handle it. Riches in and of themselves are not bad. There are some guys who do good. But it is very, very difficult. Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so, you know, they went on and they were talking about it. And the Lord said it is possible. But, but it is very, very difficult. And that's what happened with Hezekiah. He experienced the riches and honor. So this right here is not just riches. You know what it is? It's fame. How would you do if you were famous, seriously, a lot of people, they want to be famous, man, and they think that they're going to be fine, you know, when they have fame and fortune. But what we find is that it's very difficult, right? Those who follow the Lord must do so with all their heart. It's doable, but it's only possible when Jesus is the Lord of your life. Matthew 13, talks about people who... You know, they hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches end up choking the word, and therefore that individual becomes unfruitful. You know, the deceitfulness of riches. What's the deceitfulness of riches? Well, it can be the deception of distraction. Like, there you are, you know, you're checking your stock every day, you know, wondering how that is. I mean, it just consumes you. Um, Aren't you guys, isn't it kind of cool when you're like, well... I don't really got anything in the bank anyway, so I don't have to look at my statement, you know. <laughs> it's kind of cool. You know, wondering if you're not, you know, the stock market's going to go up and down or anything. You know, you got your beans and rice and Jesus Christ, and then you realize all I need is for a few of the people in the congregation to bring me a little more salsa. That's all I need, you know. And it makes it so simple. You guys know beans are good for you, right? Shh, come on, man. And so, but what what's happening is we want the, you know, Stuff and it ends up messing. Uh, right here we see Hezekiah. He has. A, it says great riches and honor in verse twenty seven. He made himself treasuries for silver and gold. Right and 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 not just so he doesn't stop there. It's not just the treasure boxes. In verse twenty eight, it gets bigger. Look at verse twenty eight. What do you read there? Storehouses. So it's not just these chests or whatever treasure boxes. Now he's got storehouses of stuff. Right. And then uh, what ends up happening is that it gets even bigger in verse 29. What does he get in verse 29? What do you guys see there? Cities. Oh, my gosh. Dude, you are just like all into this rich stuff, huh? Let me ask you a question. Do you think if Jesus Christ is not sitting on the throne of your heart, do you think you will ever be content? with the riches of this world? Absolutely not. Never. Never. If Jesus is there, you might reach a point of contentment. Hebrews 13.5 says, Be content with such things that you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But without Jesus, you're never content. You get treasure boxes. You get storehouses. You know, you get cities. It'll never end. You know, thank God for those times where God just takes it all away. And then you realize, because a lot of times it's only then that you realize. A lot of times you don't realize that Jesus is all you need until He's all you have. He's all you need, you guys. He will give you food, and He will give you clothes, and you will live for Him. It's very simple. Because other times, you know, people get distracted. I was reading about Jay Leno and some of these other guys. Man, do you know how many cars they have? It is insane. I'm like, man, this is crazy. I I was going to get into all that, but we're running out of time. So I won't bore you guys with it. But look it up, and you'll just blow your mind, you know. Aren't you guys glad with the one car that you have? It's Thank you, Jesus, Lord. You're so good, right? It was all from God. But Hezekiah, he just kept getting more and, and he, unfortunately he didn't stay humble and pride a lot of times accompanies property and prosperity and we read next in verse 30 it says and then the same Hezekiah also stopped the water outlet of upper Gihon and brought the water by tunnel to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. And so, you know, and all of the, the accounts, Second Kings, Isaiah, um, right here in Chronicles, they all mention this was a huge thing, a water supply. That's huge. That's huge. And so undoubtedly that all these accomplishments, they contributed to pride because you get deceived into thinking it was you. And and we have to come back to the truth and we come back to reality If there's anything good that we ever do, it's God. And if there's anything that we ever are allowed to be a part of in those plans that prosper, it's God. We are not worthy. We are not able. Without God, we we would never make it. God has had his hand on your life. And he gets all the glory. A lot of people say, well, look what I've done. You know, I've done this, and I've made that, and I've worked at this. And Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says to those people, he says, yeah, but who made your hands? God made your hands. What would we do? Where would we be without him, right? And so here, uh, the treasury, the property, the prosperity, the money, the mint, the accomplishment, all that can be tempting when we forget that It's all God, and it all belongs to God. And I think a good maxim for us to remember is that you are entrusted, if you are entrusted with greater riches, is to increase your standard of giving, not your standard of living. I think that's important. If God ever blesses you, you know, and you do win the lottery, and, you know, I won't tell you you can't buy a lottery ticket, but you probably shouldn't, but you guys are rebels anyways. And, uh, you know, I'm just saying, if ever you, you know, you hit the jackpot, you know, you get that inheritance or you get a really good job, you know, do your best to increase your standard of giving, not your standard of living. And anytime you do something good or great like Hezekiah did, channeling the water in the city of Jerusalem, just remember it's the Lord, man. And that, in all reality, it should humble us when God uses our life, What God would use such a sinner like me. It should never, ever be a platform for pride. And so we read next in verse 31, it says, However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. And so one is kind of like vitality. And by that I mean life, life, life. Pray for life. And when you pray, pray like you mean it. Talk to God. Tell him why you think this is a good idea. Talk to him, okay? Um, Secondly, after vitality is humility. No matter what happens in life, please stay humble, okay? Okay? Humility is just seeing yourself for who you really are. Which kind of leads to that last one, after vitality and humility is just reality. And that's what happens here in verse 31. You can read the parallel passage in 2 Kings 20, 12-19, Isaiah 39, 1-8. They came from Babylon, pretending to care. They came with gifts after they heard that Hezekiah was sick. They heard about the wonder that had taken place in the land. And so they came, and, uh, and you know, it's crazy. I don't know about you, but I, like, underlined this in my Bible and highlighted it. And, you know, right there it says, God, verse 31, please read that. God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. God withdrew from him. Now, that's crazy. You read that. What's that? And I, I, I don't know, you know, I can't be 100% sure to be honest with you. I do know it has to do with the real me. Like, who am I really? You know, in, inside, the heart right here. You know, who, who are you really? Like, the real you, your heart, what's inside of you? Not that God needs to know, but that I think you need to know. I think that we need to know. You know, I, I also think it kind of has to do with those times when God is not necessarily carrying me or, you know, overprotecting me or, you know, taking that sin out of me, you know, or their sinful desires away from me. I mean, I thank God I haven't done drugs or those type of things, alcohol, ever since I got saved. But I'm not here to tell you in any way that that was me. God took it out. God took out the desire. I thank him for that. He you know, he he's protected me. When I s when I got saved, I stopped cussing. Imagine that. I mean, how does that happen? I didn't try. It just there was the Lord, right? And so a lot of guys, times people they'll still struggle with those things because God didn't take it away. In the Judges, it explains so that they can so they can know war. They could know war. So what would happen if God put that desire, God, you know, God allowed it to kind of flare up again inside of me. And then someone put, you know, a, a cold beer on a hot day right in front of me. Or whatever. You know, you got some some weed or that, those drugs right there, and there and all of a sudden there's a draw again. What then? Who are you really? That's what ends up happening right here. The Lord withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. And, you know, I I look at this and I just think it's those times when God allows me to be put in that examination situation. It's a time of true and total testing, right? I mean, it's Abraham and Isaac and he's tested with his family. Who do you love the most? It's Joseph and Potiphar's wife, uh, sexually, in that situation. Joseph, who do you love the most? You know, it's uh, Job and Satan and they're, you know, tested. You know, Job is tested. I mean, in every area, exhaustively, family, physically. Do you really serve God because he blesses you or do you serve God because of who he is why do you serve god and it would re- it would be revealed and it's that's what that is right It's when jesus even was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil of course we know for the lord it's uh, it's not it's not a problem but there are those times when we're led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and so at this time the lord withdrew from hezekiah and the Babylonians, they came and they pretended to be friends and they brought gifts and they said, Oh, we're so glad that you're better now. How you doing? You know, I heard that there was a really big miracle over here. Can you tell us about it? Oh, okay. Hey, what's that room over there? What do you got behind that door? I'm your friend, you know? Oh, yeah, let me show you. And Hezekiah starts showing him everything. Because what ends up happening is if the devil can't get you as a roaring lion, then he'll come at you as a seductive snake. If he can't devour you, then he'll deceive you. And that's why we have to make sure that we do our best to be real and to have good hearts. Okay, and I'll close with that, you guys. You know the Bible says in jeremiah seventeen nine that our heart is deceitfully wicked, it's desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. So in and of ourself, our hearts are ugly, but God can do a new work. God can give you a new heart. Psalm 5110, you can pray it, create in me a clean heart, right? Um, you know, you read Proverbs 423, it says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. So you protect your heart the real you you know being real and what ends up happening is God then does a, a good work inside of you so that when the Lord was looking for a king in 1st Samuel sixteen seven, he saw David and because everyone else was thinking Eliab Eliab and his brothers and they're all tall you know and buff and, and bad and And, you know, whatever, today we might look at someone and they're all gifted and, you know, they're good looking or they're rich or whatever. They're smooth, they're suave. And God is just saying, I see them. I've rejected him. You look at the outside, but God looks at the heart because the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And that's why you got to meddle with the middle. And I, and I pray you guys would know that. I want you guys to know Acts 13.22. God says, I raised up David, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. A man after my own heart, a heart like God's. God can do that work in us. I, and you see it, you know. Um, I, I know, I see it. Sometimes you just see it, and you just thank God for the heart of this man for the heart of that woman cuz you just know they're not they're not there, you know, to try to flatter you or or whatever. They're there cuz they love the Lord. But if your heart's not right, then what ends up happening is the enemy comes in like the Babylonians, and what ends up happening is you lose you lose everything. You're going to be tested, okay? I know you guys don't like tests, but you're going to be tested, okay? And I pray that you would pass the test because right here you'll resolve in your heart to make your heart right in the sight of God. And so we read in verse 32, Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness, indeed they are written in the vision of Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, and in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And again, so much about Hezekiah. And so Hezekiah rested with his fathers. They, he went to heaven. They buried him in the upper tombs of the sons of David. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem honored him at his death. Then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. And Lord willing, next time we'll cover the life of Manasseh. And, ah, man. Crazy, crazy story. You know, one day we're all going to die, though. We're all going to die. Hopefully we get raptured. All right. Um, but if not, you know, we're going to pass on. How many of you here know for sure, you just know for sure that you'll be alive 24 hours from now? You don't know. Yeah, but manny, I exercise. <laughs> Dude, I have read stories that will blow your mind. <laughs> Car accidents. Oh, I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm just saying always be ready. Always be ready. Do you know Jesus? I mean, I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a true relationship. He loves you, he died for you. On that cross, he rose again. Why are you here tonight? Why are you here tonight? Well, they, they told me if I come, they would take me in and out afterwards. Oh, okay. Well, they told me they told me I have to come. okay, I mean, I would just say you're here tonight because God loves you. And he wants to bless you and beyond your wildest imagination. But you got to come to him. You got to get real with him. You know, going to church, service, I know you guys, some of you here, you've done it so many times. So many times. And so many times you've come and you've left and you've come and you left and it's like the same. And you know, you know there's more. I think that when we get together and we worship God and especially on nights of communion where we get to celebrate the cross, I pray that you would know that That God is here. He is here to touch your life, to change your life, to give you strength. I would venture to say that there are many hurting hearts here. People that are going through tremendous trials. And God just wants to comfort you. God wants to strengthen you. And so I pray that tonight as we close in communion that... You would allow Him to do that. If you just sit in your chair doing nothing, then more than likely not a whole lot is going to happen. But if in your chair that you're sitting there in, you open your heart, maybe even get on your knees, or you maybe come forward for prayer or something, but you you just really seek God, Somehow, you take a step of faith. I believe that when you you step in, that the the sea will part. God's doing a good work. And um, I really pray you guys would know that. That love and that power and that life that He has for you. We can't go out and, and live it on our own strength. We can't. The only way we can do this is if God gives us His strength. And as we gather together in times like this, that's exactly what, what we're asking for, what we're crying out for before we leave. God, give me your strength. God, give me your heart. God can change lives today. God can change lives. Someone that was going to go to hell can go to hell. But not if... Not if you're plastic. Not if you're a pretender. Not if you're a faker. God sees through that like that. Only if you're real. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte at air code 626 454 3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.